Coffee Time Wednesdays with uh, the Prairie Farm Podcast. Can't hit us with the jingle. So Kent is actually sleeping on the other side of the other mic. Eyes wide open. Yes, dead asleep. Uh, Might respond a little bit, but truly uh, tired man. Tired. Uh, Very tired. Yeah. Well, look, you know what would have helped if you would have uh, brought some wild rivers to work today. Mm. But uh, he, in fact, irresponsibly did not. And people, be responsible. Bring Wild Rivers Coffee to work with you every That's day. That's right. You know, on a serious note, we are sponsored by them. And the reason they reached out is because they care about conservation. Uh, a good uh, large percentage, at least 2%, but often more, as Marshall says, um, is of every purchase goes to conservation. And you actually get a say in what conservation it goes to, depending on what coffee you get, goes to certain organizations that are matched up. And what you bought some coffee recently? What what, uh, yeah, got the what was Col- that for? Got the Columbia blend. Um, I I think if I remember correctly, uh, since it had I got the Columbia blend has an elk on it, so I think their donation goes to Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. Which this Friday we're interviewing uh, Steve from RMEF, and uh, we get to uh, learn a little bit more about that great conservation organization. Um, and it's delicious. And I know it worked well for your story, but I think I do have Wild Rivers coffee on me today. I, um, I kind of figured he brings, yeah. look, guys, he brings, uh, on a serious note, every day he little brings bit, about bit. six gallons of coffee. Can you hear it? And he drinks his first gallon Can you hear when it? he first gets Just, jingling around inside my it's yeah. almost gone because it's so yeah, good it sounds cold it sounds like you made it 6 a.m this morning <laughs> and it's just <laughs> that's all right i drink i drink day old coffee most almost every day and it freaks people out but i so i, I, I like the taste of that on the counter <laughs> yes you do uh but um you know i like the taste of coffee that's part of the reason i drink it but the main reason I drink it is its medicinal values, as my dad says. The caffeine, <laughs> the, whole, yeah. the, ca- the, the caffeine, man, helps helps keep me going. But I've been heard. running back and forth between two seed cleaners today, and yeah. um, uh, I'm tired. It, it, that that takes a lot out of you, so. man. Yeah, Kent's uh, and he's uh, fighting one of the seed cleaners to clean the seed correctly. And yes, that that wears your brain out. Yeah, he's a sad boy about it. He's, uh, you know, it, it's kind of interesting because this seed, I don't know, you, you can say the kind of seed if you want. It's a totally different size than it was last year. Yeah. Same shape, has the same look, to- it, it, literally a third of the size yeah. that was last year. Rattlesnake master. Yeah, I don't know, but the plant was just as tall. You know, usually mm-hmm. if drought, you, you'd see it be six inches or 12 inches shorter, but it was tall this year. Um, you know, just in looking at, just in looking at the, the seed that I'm cleaning and, and, you know, in my little gold miners pan, uh, it looks like the seed, um, you know how rattlesnake kind of has like that tail end on it that like real, like, yeah. uh, feels like, uh, it's the, it's the, um, it's real pithy, the white part of the birdie on the badminton right you know, yep. it's just like a little birdie and yep. they got the dense part that's the seed and then the fluffy part yeah they look like they look like the the birdie and they also look like a bomb pop um uh, mm. but uh anyways that white part that real pithy part the like 
just is like super light and squishy. Yeah. Um, it seems like that's fracturing off the seed a lot. Uh, so I kind of wonder if it's like the seed is just a little more delicate from the drought or something, but I'm hoping it, you know, hopefully it'll, uh, it'll all, uh, you know, be good to go. And of course, yeah, we're praying for a hundred percent purity and a hundred percent germ. Right. I actually don't think you can get over 99, but <laughs> I've never but, seen over 99. But yeah, so it is interesting. I, I mean, the seeds seem, you know, do the old tooth test. It seems to be, have good germ and everything, but it does add another wrinkle to seed cleaning, which is fun though, too, because I like, I like solving the problems. It's just the problems make you tired sometimes. Yeah. So you need more Wild Rivers coffee. You need more Wild Rivers coffee. But speaking of coffee, it's coffee time. The best 15 minutes of your week, and and we're on a time constraint. So we yes. actually got to keep it to 15-ish minutes, which means one topic for us. And here it is, ladies and gentlemen. You've heard us allude to it. Actually, I, I brought another topic as well, but Kent really wants to talk about this one. You're about to, I'm about to read something off of uh, tomato, uh, ooh, tomato, uh, later. Tomato Lado News. It's, it's a local news station. It sounds oh, super Tame incredible. Tama Toledo. Okay. I was looking at the Tama Toledo. Sounds super reliable. Oh, yeah, dude. Tomato one, like... rotten tomatoes. <laughs> You're like, wait a second. This is just on Reddit. No. It's a, it's a T- Tama Toledo News Chronicle. It's a local news for uh, Tama County in Iowa. But listen to this. This is an exact excerpt. In 2022, approximately two-thirds of land falls under the ownership of people over 65. A sharp contrast to the situation in 1982, which is one-third of that age group. Here's Mm. what happened. People under 65 got land, and then for 40 years, they aged and never got rid of the land. Mm. Uh, they're blaming on the aging rural population. The reason that the rural population is aging is because all the young people are moving away, right? The young people are what keep your, uh, age balanced. But I, I feel like people are moving back. Like young people are like, well, the city sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've, I've lived in the city. There are really great things about the city, but it sucks. So, uh, (laughs) um, so landowners are 70 to 75% of farmers are now. 55 years or older but that's not landowners that's actually like the people farming 70 to 75 percent are 55 or older which is wild and and then there was another part that i wanted to talk about that was just incredible um you know it's interesting we're gonna have jake hofer little preview here we're gonna have jake hofer from exodus trail cameras or exodus outdoor gear i think is the is the company name and then also he hosts the land podcast and i i i would strongly recommend the land podcast i've actually been a guest on there uh and uh i'd strongly recommend that podcast to anyone who cares about like land ownership and and um managing land that kind of thing and uh he had a guy on this week who is um uh i'm i'm thinking some kind of land broker i can't remember his exact job but he follows he, uh, land listings very closely and he, he's been doing so for a long time and they just talked about 
how much land prices have increased over the last 30 years and uh, mm-hmm. especially in Iowa which you know 30 is within that 40 that you mentioned on that data and yeah. so uh just seeing how the value of farmland changed like you know the generation before them they sold the land probably to them right like yeah grand dad or grandpa sold it to me and now I farm it you know it wasn't it wasn't giving up like such a huge amount of money at that time. Whereas now, like when we switched to, you know, the Earl Butts global farm, you know, system where we're not raising food for the table of our own household as much. And we're raising more of a cash crop like that land value just kept going up and up and up, you know? And so those people who bought that, that own that land back in, 1982 or bought it even like to look at it as something to sell just probably never really made sense because it kept going up in its appreciation well i wonder if part of the reason all that land value went up and up and up is because as kind of a society they held on to the land they didn't sell i'm not saying that's bad i'm not saying like oh look how selfish these people are but they they and i i think a lot of this goes back to this is the first era ever where people over 55 or 60 years old could farm full time mm. without any help. One yeah. one farmer that's 70 years old can farm a thousand acres. Yeah. I mean the, it's tough. That I mean they have to be in really good shape for a 70 year old, but they that can't happen. My you know, 300 years ago, good luck being 48 and doing yeah. all that. You know, and and uh or even 200 acres. Right. Um here's something really interesting. Okay. Never done this on the podcast. I'm going to correct something that hasn't been said on the podcast yet because this is coming out on February 7th. A podcast we just recorded will be coming out in several weeks. And I I had said something like 50% or a little over 50% of farmers, uh, of landowners no longer use um, or just over 50% use it for their main income, right? Is that what I had said with... Uh, yeah, something... I. What whatever you said in my sleepy state, um, yeah, I, I'm gonna, it I'm didn't gonna sound it. quite right, but I didn't know I'm, how to challenge it. <laughs> no, 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 it's worse than that. In the percentage of land, this is a direct quote from this: the percentage of land that is used to support the current income of farmers has dropped from fifty six percent in twenty twelve to thirty eight percent in twenty twenty two. As fewer landowners keep farms to support their incomes, the motivation for land ownership has shifted. So here are, here, this helps make up the other large percentages. It's um, 37% is now owned for fa- for family for sentimental reasons. Hmm. That 37% of land, and let's just assume this is talking about Iowa, because that's the article starts talking about Iowa. 37% of land owners in Iowa, that is that is like 5 million acres. That's billions of dollars hmm. in land is and, owned and for sentimental the, reasons. And to those people, I say good for you. That, that is, that is awesome that people are saying, I'm, you're not taking, you know, I'm not. Just oh yeah. You don't up. get it. Just, yeah. Money's not, not going to take right, this out from money. Right. This is yeah, special. Yeah, yeah. This is something to be treasured, you know? Yeah. And another 23% is owned as a long-term investment. And I imagine those are the people who aren't, as connected to their land, they're probably not directly farming. Maybe they are, but I imagine that, you know, those are, you know, VC companies and, and, um, other, you know, large, uh, 
large capital firms coming mm. in and being like, okay, well, we'll buy 10,000 acres here and it'll just kind of hold value or appraise for us. And it's a good place to tuck their money. And here's the thing. I actually don't have any issue with a company coming in and buying tons of land. I don't, and, and I don't have any issue with something, have, someone having tons and tons of money or resources. It's all about how they use it. Right. So mm. if someone came in and said, Hey, I'm buying 25,000 acres and uh, I'm in a farm, I'm going to farm with good practices, you know, do some cover crop, have some edges and 20,000 acres and another 5,000 acres. I'm going to put into good set aside CRP high quality. I'd be like, good for you. You know, Mm -hmm. you're doing it right. You're farming correctly. You know, you're protecting our water. You're, you're, you're helping with habitat. So it's not, it's not that a huge percentage is owned for a long-term investment. That's not, it's just, even you and I have said like, oh, well, you know, like, People really, they really need to be making their money. They need to make their money. And and obviously there's a big chunk. There's 38% of the land that's owned uh, agriculturally. 38% is people trying to make a living off mm-hmm. of it. But uh, that leaves 62% of most of the land, which means when we say, well, no, we need to make sure that people are getting paid. We're speaking about the minority. We're mm. not even speaking about the majority, and, and that is so crazy. So, so what's the breakdown of that sixty-two percent then? That's, okay, so thirty-eight um, percent you said own land for that, and they're they're living it's their primary income. Yeah, primary income. Okay, and and again, this news article is called "Aging Iowa Farmers and Anticipating Farmland Transfer." And it's by the Tama Toledo news article, Tama Toledo, <laughs> you know, something like that. Um, 38% use it for 37% for sentimental reasons. 23% is owned as a long-term investment. And then 2% is other. Hmm. Um, and, uh, and so there's a bunch of other issues. And we've actually talked about some of these issues. A big issue that they go through in here is that the kids of the people who own the land got different jobs. You know, they're 40 years old. They had, they had to get another job and, um, and, and good for them, but that means they're not connected to the land. They don't care as much about it. They, they're more likely to see the land as a monetary asset than they are as a livelihood and almost like a spiritual soul experience, mm-hmm. you know, and, yeah. and that's where you really get the, um, people who are caring and taking care of it. But, um, if you're not connected to it, so We've got this giant land transfer of billions and billions of dollars that are going to be passed down because remember, two thirds of the landowners are over 65, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and so you're talking at max, you're talking 30 years over the next 30 years, every single piece of this land is transferring to someone else. It's either getting bought out or it's getting um, put in a trust and rented out. Or it's going to get, may, maybe it'll get farmed by a family member. I'm very curious to see what percentage gets farmed by a direct lineage, or I'd put niece or nephew in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Got to yeah. add that in there. Uh, 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 family member. Like what percentage of those farms? And even if it's 50%, that's only 50% of the 38%. So now you're talking about 17% of land in Iowa is used directly by the people who own it to live off of. And, uh, that is, that is scary close to lands and uh, landlords and serfs. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yep. The, it is interesting to see how that's going to shape the landscape. One thing that I have noticed, 
and my wife and I fall into this category is um, as I get to know more and more of my neighbors, how many of them are um, young like myself, Nicholas, very (laughs) young. And well, I mean, just like that, you know, they're in that young family state of life. So they've probably, you know, they've probably had to already go through the phase of living in an apartment somewhere and then buying their first small house. And then now they're at a point in their careers where they could move out to the country and a lot of grandkids and, um, um, kids, I guess too, are starting to move into these old farmhouses or onto Mm -hmm. these old farmsteads. But that, I think that's a good positive step that helps keep fam families involved in their farmland and the decisions made on that land. Um, but it's still not an owner operator situation yet in, in a lot of those cases. Um, and some of them it is, but, um, in others it's not. And, and that will be interesting too. Well, we have all these, you know, little two acre farmsteads that got carved off, Yeah, you know, and basically a glorified, uh, glorified development. Well, right. And then all the land around it that gets sold out from the family. And then, you know, you have the family members surrounded by the land that their families used to own, you know, it'll be, it'll be a strange, it'll be a strange thing. And kind of going, kind of going back to, uh, uh, Jake Hofer's recent interview, he asked the guy, they were talking about all these farms that back in 2020 and 2021, where we first started to see farmland going for over $20,000 an acre. And Jake asked him this very interesting question. He said, uh, do you think land farmland's ever going to hit a hundred thousand dollars an acre? And the guy said, Oh, absolutely. It will. Yeah. And, and what, what will things look like? when land hits starts hitting, you know, half of that $50,000 an acre. Yeah. You're, you're talking do families sell it all then? Do they, well, you got to remember there's also inflation, so families are right. instead of making 80,000 then families will be making 250,000. But if you, you know. Yeah, but if you look like if you look at the the inflation of oh, in, yeah. of income compared to the inflation of land costs, there's there's no there's yeah. no that's not on pace not even close oh yeah 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 so so i want to continue in this uh and rewinding this was done by um dr wendong Zhang, who i i've met before um and uh through cornell university used to be iowa state university and it was done uh, through the iowa farmland ownership and tenure survey so it, it is a very official survey but there was something else that i uh, found really striking. Let's see if I can find it here. It was that um, 80% of the landowners that are 65 and older aren't planning on selling in the next five years. So we will see, which basically pushes more and more of this um, land uh, transfer to be more compressed. So it's not going to take place over the next 30 years. Mm. It'll take place five to 10 years from now, and it will all happen in 10 to 15 years. Like, boom, it'll all just oh, well, I thought, you know, so-and-so owned that land. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. That big company came here and bought all of this land. They could because they all transfer at the same time. But um, here's an interesting one. 
Forty percent of the respondent uh, respondents of the landowners were willing to sell to beginning farmers if they felt like uh, under market price. If they felt like the beginning farmer was a very hard worker, basically deserved it. But another concern is that fifty eight percent of the Iowa landowners have difficulty finding hard enough uh, or good enough quality beginning farmers or people that work hard enough. You know, so. Um, they don't want to give up the land unless they approve of the person who buys it. Totally. They're right. They're allowed mm-hmm. to do that. I do find it kind of humorous. You know, it's still like the last bit of control I can have on this land. I'm going to have it, you know, yeah. instead of, yeah. um, and it, you know, that's not, I'm care. I'm caricaturizing those. I'm, I'm sure many of them are, are goodwilled and good natured, but, uh, I just find it so fascinating that, you know, the the older generation and not, I'm not saying this is a bad thing. But they are holding on to the land. And because they've decided to really hold on to the land, we are facing a huge land transfer. Um, And we can navigate it really well. I feel like there's great opportunity to navigate it well. I mean, these people are willing to sell under market price to give beginner farmers Mm -hmm. a new generation to start. Um, There's tons of opportunity here. And and that means there's hope for people my age who might want to buy a farm and start Mm -hmm. farming. You know, for 10, 15 years, there's kind of been like, no hope, you know, just even right. when I was in high school, they changed FFA to, uh, from future farmers of America to just FFA. It just stands for yeah. FFA. And, right. uh, yeah. and they're like, well, they're not really future farmers, but we also have a huge organization of tens of thousands of students. <laughs> what should we do with this? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yep. right. um, we got to get the volunteer hours somehow. But, yep. uh, so anyway, just, just food for thought. Well, uh, anything else you want so- to add? Something that I think, uh, people forget about too, is, you know, with the cold dead hand land transfer, you know, the inheritance model, right? Like I'm never selling this. It's just going to my kids, which is great. I'm all for that. Um, but, uh, capital gains tax, you know, on your inheritance, I think, what is it? 15%? 30%. And you have to, you know, whenever you acquire land, um, or no, you have, there's a, there's a caveat within that, right? A 1031, um, tax, like not really exemption. It kind of is, but you're really just kicking just the right off. You're, you're kicking the can down the road. Eventually the government gets its money, but, yeah, but instead of but, every and getting money for every transaction for 10 transactions, they just get money on the last transaction. Right. So, so you have to pay when you get that land, you have to, you know, as inheritance, not by buying land, you have to do this, but, but either if you sell land or if you buy land and you cross the capital gains threshold, um, you have to pay that tax. And so let's say right now, um, I imagine a lot of the people listening in right now, if you inherited, um, we'll say 200 acres of Iowa farmland valued at, uh, $12,000 an acre, um, you're to pay $2.4 million, right. To pay the capital gains tax on that. You're probably not going to just have that cash sitting on $100,000. Well, I don't think, I don't think it's 30%. I don't think it's that high, but yeah, but, um, whatever. uh, Oh, you're, it's not, it's not capital gains. It's inheritance tax. Okay. Yeah. Whatever that is then. But I think, I mean, it's a similar idea, right? You've received this value. You have to pay tax on it. You're right. It is inheritance tax, but, but, uh, you have to come up with the money for that. So what a lot of people end up doing 
is selling some of that land that they're inheriting to pay to pay the tax man, right? And so that also happens to land that gets inherited as it gets it gets chopped up a little bit to, you know, create the money to pay the taxes on it. And that gets land moving around too. So that, you know, that could be another wrinkle that comes with this big land transfer is, is uh, people have to sell some of their inherited land. Oh, you were right. You were right. I was wrong. It's in special cases, it's 4.5%. But in most cases it's 12 or 15%. You were right. And it is called inheritance tax. Inheritance tax. Yep. Capital gains. Capital gains tax is 30%. I was just looking that up. Okay. So that, yeah. So then if you go and sell, yeah, which would be interesting too, you know, and that's, that's all based on your income and a certain threshold you have to cover. You have to net off of that sale. So, uh, I, you wouldn't have to sell a ton of land to meet that 4%. So I don't think you would exceed the capital gains. Cause then you'd have to pay capital gains on the land you just sold yeah. to pay the tax man. Yeah. But, but the whole point is, um, you know, that's, that's going to be another significant wrinkle in that too, yeah. um, is, is how people. Government's are. just salivating, waiting for all that inheritance tax. Yeah. You know, Iowa doesn't need the inheritance tax. We have a sur- uh, superfluous budget where we're, yeah. over, we're under on our budget, Yeah, man. Well, it's a, it's a deep one to think about. We'll probably go deeper into it when we hang out with Jay Kofer here in a few weeks and, uh, we really appreciate you uh, listening in. Don't forget yeah. our presenting sponsor, Hawks and Native Seeds, and uh, we'll talk to you next time.